0: Clark Elman of AsacredJourney.net. I'm a spiritual director, facilitator, and guide, and you're listening to Pilgrim Podcast, a show exploring spirituality and intention in travels and daily life, and what it means to live like a pilgrim at home and abroad. Today I'm talking with Rich Lewis of SilenceTeaches.com on silence, centering prayer, and the path of contemplation. This episode is brought to you by Journey Shop, where I sell handmade and designed resources to inspire your journeys at home and abroad. The Journey Shop is filled with tools for spiritual practice, including my popular liturgical wall calendar, wearable prayer beads, and more. Visit The Journey Shop at asacredjourney.net. Now, let's begin the journey. Hi, Rich. Thanks for coming on the show today.
1: Sure. It's great to finally be able to talk. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, I should let everyone know that this is the first time we've actually ever talked. Right. (laughs) yeah we uh connected online as we were talking about it a bit before we pressed record you know it was you know a website or a social media or something a story so common these days
1: that's true that's true
0: well, I know that your work is centered on silence, contemplative practices, and I know a bit of mysticism as well. You actually have a few websites that you manage
1: i do and and I guess I'll get into it a little bit i I have my Silence Teaches is the younger site Um, that started in, I guess, August of 2016. But I'm also on the Recovering Christianity's Mystic Roots site with Amos Smith. Amos is an author of uh, Healing the Divide. So I sort of connected with him. And then we started working together as well. So I'm on, I guess you could say I have a shared site and then my main site, Silence Teaches. So yes.
0: Yeah. Well, good. We'll be sure to put a link to both of those in the show notes. Oh. Why don't you start by sharing a bit about your spiritual journey? It seems like these are two stops along the path for sure and where your journey has taken you.
1: Sure, sure. I guess I was always interested in silence. I just didn't know what to do with it. And I, I had been introduced to silence by uh, Carl McColman. I've read a number of his books, and he talks a lot about silence. And that intrigued me. It got me very, very interested. But I just didn't know what to do with the silence. So actually, I would just practice, mm. practice silence for a minute or two minutes at a time. And it was brutal, but I wanted to try it. And then I came across Amos Smith's book, Healing the Divide, I guess the fourth quarter in 2013, got a sample of it. I read a lot for Kindle and I couldn't get into it. And then I came back to it in the first quarter of 2014. And, and all of a sudden, it was very interesting to me. So I actually went to his website and connected with him and started asking him a number of questions that I read in his book. He talked about centering prayer, which was kind of a nice container for the silence for me. Um, he talked a lot about what he called the Jesus paradox, Jesus being God and human at once. So I simply began emailing him. And to my surprise, we began kind of a friendly email discussion back and forth. We connected and we became friends and I now kind of work with him on his website. And then I launched my own site, Silence Teaches, it, I guess around August of 2016, and began ser- seriously discuss uh, practicing Centering Prayer. I don't know what's so magical about the date, but June 1st, 2014, I decided, why don't I kind of jump right into the pool completely and do what Thomas Keating recommends? So I did. And I've been... Pretty much every day practicing uh, twice a day, once in the morning and then another time in the afternoon, uh, two 20 minute um, sits per day since then. so I guess I kind of plunged into the pool so it just sort of I fell into all this. I was perusing Amazon one day, found Amos's book, read it, and discovered kind of a nice container for the silence and off I went and let the silence I guess guide me to to never imagined I would have my own website and be doing a number of different.
0: Things. So interesting that, you know, my first introduction to you was to Amos as well. And so to hear that actually you didn't know him from the start. Right. That that relationship came from beginning one of his books.
1: It did. It did. And that that we're very good friends to email frequently and talk probably once a month on the phone. He's out in Tucson, Arizona. I'm in Ambler, Pennsylvania, outside of Philadelphia, PA. And I actually met him summer of 2016. We actually met at, uh, in Albuquerque, New Mexico at the Norbertine community and spent um, three nights at the Hermitage there. It actually was neat. We, we ended up, we actually, Amos had a meeting with, so I got to meet Richard Rohr. So I actually spent about 90 minutes with Richard Rohr while we were also in New Mexico, which was a fantastic experience.
0: Wow. What a gift. Well, what do you think, you had said that, you know, at first you'd picked up his book and it didn't really resonate, but not long after you tried again, and it did. What, what do you think shifted in your life that made that the right time for you to enter this journey of silence?
1: I don't know. And I, and I keep trying to ask myself that same question. I think I was just ready. I was just ready for it. I guess maybe even my silence practices opened me up to being ready for centering prayer. Ready to slow down and actually sit for twenty minutes twice a day, ready to not just have you know verbal prayer with God, but to have a different type of prayer with God where you're sitting silently and resting in God and, and letting God pray in you. So I think I would say I guess the centering the continuing practicing of the silence and centering prayer opened me up and slowed me down and and said, Rich, you're internally you're now ready to to do this and continue down this path.
0: Yeah. Well, I know, like you, it seems in the past many years that today, many are being drawn to those slower, more ancient ways of engaging faith. And I know the name we often use for that is contemplation. What is contemplation for those who are new to the term? And what does it mean to be a contemplative or to follow the contemplative path?
1: I would say, well, I guess the contemplative path in my opinion, is really just slowing down. And there's many different ways. There's many different contemplative paths or practices of slowing down. Centering prayer is one where you're, you're not praying out loud, but you're forgetting you, getting yourself out of the way and, and silently resting in God. But th- there's other paths too, and, and you kind of have to pick the right one for you. Uh, photography, <laughs> drawing, painting, walking, meditation, Obviously, Christian meditation is a huge, there's a huge number of people that practice Christian meditation as well. So I I would say, you know, the contemplative path is just slowing down. And then contemplation is really just resting in God where you're, and I guess at some point we'll talk about centering prayers where you're, you're not talking, you're not speaking to God, you're letting go of your thoughts, emotions, physical sensations, and resting in God. And I know people don't think of that as prayer, but it is prayer, t- and you're actually letting God pray in you. So it's a different version, way of prayer. It's a reverse prayer, I guess you could say, where God is praying in you, in you.
0: Well, it's interesting. It almost seems radical in a way. You know, some on the surface, some people who were brought up on maybe a more traditional form of prayer, where we think of speaking words, whether it may be corporately in church or, or personally, but prayer is talking to God, might think, oh, <laughs> not talking is not prayer. And yet, as you said, God is praying through you. That, I mean, that's an astounding thing to believe in. That seems powerful.
1: Right. And it, and it, I think it does scare people. And I guess what we, we don't really know, I mean, Jesus went off and prayed and we don't know exactly how he prayed. So we're sort of imagining that he wasn't always talking and that he was silently sitting with God. So I don't think we actually know exactly how Jesus prayed at all times, but we can imagine he, when he went off and spent a lot of time on his own, that he wasn't always talking when he, when he did this.
0: Yeah, that he was often just being in the presence of God is just as pleasing to God and to ourselves.
1: Right and for those that are you know it can be very difficult just to sit silently for a number of minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes so there, there's other you know paths walking meditation you can kind of accomplish the same thing where you're walking and clearing out your thoughts and not really focusing on anything but you're walking for 10 15 20 minutes or painting or if when you're painting or you're drawing yeah I, i'm not sure you're really thinking you're just doing so you're you're just kind of be you're being as you said.
0: hmm And it seems like you're letting the stuff of the world and, you know, like from the verse, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, the, especially today, right? Technology, the buzz, all these things, letting those slip away.
1: Right. And I would say the most important thing is with contemplation is you're really, you know, you're slowing down, you're getting yourself out of the way and opening yourself to God and seeing what happens. And, and a lot of times you don't, you don't know what happens until you, you're done your prayer and you're doing your normal course of day. That's when you might notice different fruits within you that you didn't, don't know where they came from or, or how it happened. And so that's where I, I think you're opening to God during this prayer time. And then you're experiencing a lot of, you know, God-given gifts outside of your prayer time in your non-silent times, I'll call it.
0: Hmm. I like that opening, as you were saying that I was almost had this image of opening the door to God, to allow God to come in and fill you. So that as you're saying in those everyday moments in life, you have been made room for the spirit, been filled by the spirit and can operate from that center.
1: Right. now, I I think I may have had one of my meditations because I do a weekly meditation where I sort of talked about opening the door and, and walking into you know, God's living room and sitting in a chair and sitting in a chair in his living room in his house and, and resting with God. It's just just like when you're with a, a friend or lover or spouse or significant other, you don't always have to talk to each other to be with each other. You just, you just like being with each other sometimes and it's the same thing.
0: Yeah, and in fact, I know they say the more intimate the, the relationship, the more comfortable you are. Right. In silence.
1: So one could even think of contemplation as, That's the same thing where you've you've taken prayer to another another level where you're you're a closer, intimate bond with God and words aren't needed all the time.
0: Yeah. So that's a deepening intimacy, kind of still counter to that idea that prayer has to be talking or this or that. Right. But actually we can know, as evidenced in our own lives, that getting beyond needing to say something. And I think it seems like it's a i'm thinking of you know a relationship with a spouse or a friend a family member that the silence we kind of resisted at first when those relationships are new because it's a it's a vulnerable place to be we don't know what will come up right whenever there is silence and so in the same way as much as it is a beautiful practice to speak to god to surrender to god to offer praise and to be in conversation It's often that's talking, right? And so it's not making room for the silence for even God to speak in God's own way.
1: Right. That's true. Very true.
0: Well, I know. So we're talking about silence and you had mentioned Christ going off oftentimes to pray. And I know when we talk about contemplation, silence, solitude, and stillness are often grouped together. They seem to be the markers of the contemplative path. And so I'm curious, why would you say these three practices or postures are so important?
1: Sure. Well, silence, I think simply because we need to get ourselves out of the way so we can open to God. So probably the, the best way to do that is, is to be silent. So we, we need silence to get ourselves out of the way so we can open to God. Solitude you know, is simply because it's really in a relationship with you and God. Other than with the caveat, there is silent prayer and community, and that can be very powerful. Like the Quakers have, have, have silent, the traditional Quaker services, are, and I went to one, which was, which was a really neat experience, where 100 people sit in a room and they're quiet.
0: Waiting to be moved, right?
1: Right. So silence and community is very powerful. So it is solitude, you and God and whoever else is in the room, but you're, everybody's silent. So we each have our own one-on-one relationship you know, with our maker.
0: Well, mm-hmm. And I imagine too that, I mean, the, this is actually how I first experienced centering prayer was in some sort of class setting. And so we were all practicing individually and yet in unison at the same time. And so there is, you said like the silence is to get us, you know, away from ourselves to put all of the, our individuality aside. And the ego aside. And so, in a way, it's yes, it's you and God. And yet, when you're practicing with others, mm-hmm. it's that solitude and yet that union at the same time.
1: And then stillness, I guess I'll, I'll yes, centering prayer, Christian meditation, you are still. But then, I guess, as I mentioned earlier, there are some contemplative paths where there's movement. So you may be still. I guess you're still in your mind (laughs) or you're trying to still your mind and your thoughts and emotions, but perhaps you're walking, you know, walking meditation, Mm -hmm. or perhaps you're chanting or perhaps you're painting. They're not still physically, but I guess within your mind, you're not thinking, you're not, you know, emotional, you're just doing and being. So it's still very much a way of being still so we can open to the divine, you know, stop our activity and open to God. So the three are, you know, very important other than, as we said, solitude can be in community and the stillness, you don't have to think of it as physical stillness. You can think of it as, you know, more of an interior stillness.
0: Yeah. They seem to all kind of have, you know, multiple meanings. They kind of feel like the, almost the trinity of contemplation that they all play with one another and uh, support each other.
1: Right, right. And it was interesting. I I did a centering prayer about a year ago, kind of one-hour session for a group of Penn State students at a campus near me. And it was neat to hear from a bunch of college students that, and even my eldest son, who's twenty-one, but he was telling me this when he was maybe fourteen and fifteen. You know, I need to slow down. I have too much activity. I have too much Facebook, too much cell phones, too much activity. I need to slow down. So it was just interesting. So they, I'm hearing from the young, you know, from younger people that I. They need this silence. They need this solitude. They need this stillness. They recognize they're growing up in a world where everybody is on their phones, their TV, their iPads, their laptops. And
0: yeah, more, more, more.
1: And they need to get away from this because it's, it's driving them crazy sometimes.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I know I read on your website that you do a lot of teaching around centering prayer and this practice of silence and do some coaching as well. So I'm sure you're well versed in how how these practices of and postures of silence, solitude and stillness are lacking right in our everyday lives. How how else do you see, you know, you mentioned technology, social media, etc., that there's just not room for them? And how can changing our position and making room for them enhance our faith and our well-being?
1: Again, I think it all comes around to if we're getting ourselves out of the way. So when we when we turn off our cell phone and we turn off our iPad and we turn off the TV, whether it's one hour or 24 hours, we're no longer, I guess, opening up to the cell phone and the Internet. We can slow down, hopefully, and open up to God and see what, how God nudges us, what inner nudges might might we have that we never would pick up on because we didn't bother to stop all our electronics.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, I think yeah.
1: a lot of times you just... Spending all your time on the on the phone or the internet or the iPad, and you're and you're not you're missing everything else that's going on around you, even your own family. I mean, I, I guess they t- they joke about a family going to dinner and mom and dad and the everybody sitting there on their phones texting and doing different things, and they're they're all together, but they're not even together talking with each other. So, well,
0: and these are these are good <laughs> people too. Doing it. you know it happens to to me all the time, and we almost get it. Used to scrolling. I don't know. There was no mastermind, I guess, behind all of that. But somehow we've got this new, we were becoming this new species or, you know, new evolution of of humanity where we become addicted to that scrolling. And so I imagine even, you know, that transfers from our phone to our active minds wanting to scroll through things in other places as well.
1: Right, right.
0: And so when you talk about silence, It seems like it's not just, as you said, like no noise, because I think, you know, if you looked it up in the dictionary, it would be defined as lack of noise or something. It seems like something more.
1: Yeah, it's really more of an interior, kind of getting rid of the interior noise as well, quite frankly. We have a lot of voices in our head, I guess, that might tell us, I want more or I'm not good enough or I could have done this or I could have done that. So it's even getting rid of those voices that are telling us things that really just aren't true.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you're right. Well, and it seems like then that your site is called silence teaches us who we are, that that's what you're talking about. That's how you begin to learn who you really are, who God has created you to be rather than all those voices as one example.
1: I mean, I think, um, you know, silence teaches us who we are. For me, I start my day with a silent sit, quite frankly. So I think my life spawns from my silent sits. So I start my day with a 20 minute sit and then my reservoir, I'll call it, runs empty and I need a second sit later in the day. So I I usually might take it two or three o'clock in the afternoon as much as possible or in the evening. But I like to take a second sit because my reservoir has kind of run out. But for me, I guess that silence kind of teaches me who I am. It spawns my actions during my non-silent times. And, and I guess my proof of that is I can kind of, I guess God has instilled kind of fruits of Centering Prayer within me that I know I didn't have before my practice. So I feel more confident in myself. I have an excitement for life that I didn't really have before my practice. I even feel like I have wisdom for daily tasks. I might have a problem at work that I don't know how to resolve, but all of a sudden I have kind of an inner nudge or solution. So I guess my Centering Prayer practice really has spawned my life, my excitement for life, yeah, my inner wisdom for tasks, inner peace, and even nudges to try and do new things that I never even thought I would do. I would say Centering Prayer has spawned a lot of things for me. My, my website, a book that I've written, teaching Centering Prayer in the community, And then center and prayer coaching, all these actions or things. This was not a path. I was wasn't my goal when I grew up. But all of a sudden, center and prayer spawned a lot of all of these things. So that's what I mean by that silence teaches us who we are. It has taught me who I am and and what I want to do. Or better yet, what God wants me to do during my non-silent times.
0: Yeah. Well, it seems like it, it keeps you that silence. That space of silence keeps you closer to the ground, so to speak, closer to foundation, closer to source. And so that in the times beyond the silence, in your silence, sits that it's more easily accessible. right? And that's why that, that wisdom, that intuition, that inspiration from God is popping up more readily because you're more closely aligned because of that discipline, that showing up that surrender.
1: And I even encourage, I'll call them a mini sit. So as I mentioned, my sits are generally 20 minutes, Yeah, but there's nothing wrong with a mini sit. So if I'm early for a doctor's appointment and I hate going to the doctor, quite frankly, it makes me nervous. (laughs) Maybe maybe most Uh people don't want to go either. I just get nervous. And usually there's nothing to be nervous about. But Uh If I'm early, I'll do a mini sit of five minutes in my car. Or if I'm early for an interview or some interview or presentation that I need to make that I'm nervous about, I'll do a five minute mini sit many silent Centering Prayer sit and then, you know, go to my meeting. So I, I encourage that as well, that mini sits are, are good as well.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about, I know we've been kind of up here talking about Centering Prayer for, for some time, but let's talk about really the specifics about what it is. One question I have, I know that um, there's contemplative prayer and then there's Centering Prayer. And some people, it seems like when I hear them talking, they consider them the same thing. I've read many times that they're distinct. And then you've also been mentioning prayer sits as well. So um, why don't you define, describe, and see where that takes us?
1: Sure. And and I've I've heard the same thing. I've heard some people say centered prayer is contemplative prayer. I guess my opinion from everything I've read, and it's probably a lot of Thomas Keating, is Center in prayer is really a practice. So it's really the tool that we use, as I said earlier, kind of a container for the silence. So it's a tool or practice that opens us up to contemplative prayer. And then so center in prayer is a tool or practice. Mm-hmm. Contemplative prayer is really resting in God.
0: Yeah. Is that contemplative path, so to speak?
1: Resting in God, where we open our mind, our heart, our whole body to God who's really beyond thoughts, words, and emotions. Mm, mm -hmm. So that's how I define the difference between centering prayer and then contemplative prayer. Mm -hmm. Contemplative prayer, as we said earlier, is kind of like we sit with a lover or friend where you're sitting with an intimate spouse or friend. No words need to be exchanged. You just like being together. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So it's that doorway, that gateway to intimacy.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: And what happens in centering prayer? What's the process?
1: Well, it's probably best, and the steps are simple. So maybe I describe the steps and then describe, I guess, what can happen (laughs) in Centering Prayer. So I guess Centering Prayer itself is is really four simple steps. And Centering Prayer, I guess, for those that aren't familiar with it, I guess, was kind of created or kind of founded by, I guess, Father William Menager, who, I guess, discovered in, in The Cloud of Unknowing, which is a 14th century book. So in 1974, Father William Manager discovered kind of this path of prayer when he was reading The Cloud of Unknowing and sort of turned it into Centering Prayer, obviously with the help of Basil Pennington and Thomas Keating, and then off it went, and the Centering Prayer movement went off and began. So the Centering Prayer itself, I guess, started in, in the early 70s, for those that aren't familiar
0: with it. Yeah, well... And I remember reading, too, that that they were looking for a response to Eastern meditation, which had kind of made its way over to the West and was gaining popularity. And so I think that's also, I guess, something to distinguish as well. What's what makes centering prayer different from meditation in the Eastern sense? So I'm going to just throw that in there while you. Sure. While you explain.
1: And I guess Father Thomas Keating had challenged William Manager, that's find something (laughs) because uh, yeah. There's got to be something for Christianity. And off he went and he found it and began, you know, created centering prayer. Mm-hmm. And I guess I, I, I don't, I haven't really practiced any other forms of meditation. I know Christian meditation obviously is not, is Christian meditation, but I guess the other forms of meditation, and I could be wrong when I say this, or they're, they're not necessarily, I don't know if they're thinking of it as I'm opening to God and then God is praying in me. So I don't know if, if that's what they're doing, whereas with centering prayer, in centering prayer, we, we believe that when we, I guess I'll why don't I go through the steps in centering prayer, we believe God is, is praying in us, whereas other forms of meditation are not necessarily we're kind of an opening to God and resting in God mm-hmm. per se and believing that Jesus is within them, acting in them. Yeah. Or even the tr- the tr- and and this confuses me too. I guess Thomas Keating might say that the Trinity is operating within you, yeah. which is rather baffling, but maybe also a beautiful, wonderful thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, and kind of goes along with what you were saying that you know centering prayer helps us align with that God is more than, bigger than right. <laughs> our understanding, all that stuff. So there it is, right there.
1: So I'll admit I'm work in progress and learning along the way and opening to God and what I'm what's can be revealed? So centering prayer is really four simple steps. Step one is you want to select what they call a sacred word as your symbol of your intent to open yourself to God's presence and action within. So that's step one. Now some people use, can you can use an interior image as well? I actually, that's what I do. I, ha, I have kind of a Jesus icon that I visualize in my mind. And some people use their breath. Some people use their breath and some people actually, well, Get it. some people actually don't want to close their eyes during Centering Prayer, so they stare at a spot. So, But essentially, you're selecting a sacred word to open yourself to God's presence and action within. Step two, really, is to sit comfortably, close your eyes, and then internally, so not out loud, but kind of interiorly, you know, repeat the sacred word or visualize the picture in your mind. Or if you're staring at a spot, I guess, you, just, which I don't do, but you continue staring at the spot. Step three is really as simple as when you become aware of any thought, emotion, or physical sensation. So whenever you begin planning your day, like what am I going to do after I finish this centered prayer set, or you're thinking about a fight you might have had with someone earlier, or you're thinking about something that's bothering you, you kind of gently let go of it and return to your sacred word.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then you're really just doing this over and over again. So whenever you become aware of a thought or emotion, you ever so gently let go of it and come back to your sacred word, and then at the end of the session, if you choose to go for twenty minutes, you can sit in silence for a minute or two. You can read a book. You can do. There's a number of things you can do before you resume your activity. But then you get up and your prayer session is over. So it's really those three. What's well, really four steps if that made sense. And once of all, you practice centering prayer. So
0: well, and I, I remember whenever I was being taught centering prayer. The instructor had said, you know, don't be discouraged whenever you with those thoughts come up, those distractions, because each time it's an invitation toward faith that each return is a sign of faith, which kind of flipped that on its head to me, you know, from a place of discouragement or even something that could easily invite shame to instead being something that is to be celebrated, that is to be encouraged, that coming back. because. It's again, that practice, it's almost like a micro practice, right? That once you leave your prayer sit and go into your everyday life, that you're practicing that return, that return, that return.
1: Right. Exactly. Right. And you should, you're, I mean, you can't fail at centering prayer. You just keep ever so gently returning to your sacred word. You can't fail. So if it's a thousand times, that's a thousand times you reopen to God and you can't fail at it. Nobody fails at centering prayer. <laughs>
0: So talk to me about the 20 minutes. I know that I've read, on, and it's Contemplative Outreach, I think, is a website, isn't it? Thomas Keating's yes. website that talks about centering prayer. And they recommend twice a day, 20 minutes, kind of a morning, evening. And you said you jumped right in with that. So yeah, t- talk to me about maybe why why that's suggested and how that's been helpful in your life. And also you've said... Start small though as well. If if the twenty minutes deters you from even showing up, then start small. So, yeah,
1: right, and that's the first thing I would say is you don't have to. I guess I was able to jump right in, but yeah, but I don't. I don't think you need to. I I think you you start small, and if it has to be one minute, two minutes, five minutes, that's perfectly fine. I think they like twenty minutes because a lot of times it may take you that long to for you to really settle settle down. So they recommend twenty minutes. But in, in all honesty, I don't think that's hard and fast rule. For example, Amos Smith, my friend, he does three sits of about 12 or 13 minutes each a day. He has found that works best for him. He, so he does right before breakfast, right before lunch, right before dinner. And he does about 12 or 13 minutes each time. And that's that works for him. And that's what where God has nudged him. And actually, there was a period of time in my life where about a year and a half ago, work was very busy. And I, I did the same thing. I needed more times in silence with God to refresh me and, and so that I could continue my day. Mm-hmm. So I actually, sh- I was doing two 20 minute sits. I shifted to three, about 12 to 13 minutes each. And then when that time period got better and work was not as crazy and busy, I actually went back to 20 minutes. So I don't think it's hard and fast. And, and sometimes... so my morning sit is usually 20 minutes just because I'll make sure I get up 20 minutes earlier and I can do it. My second sit sometimes is two 10-minute sits split up you know, in the afternoon. So I don't, th- I don't think it's a hard and fast rule. I think they suggest 20 minutes simply because a lot of times it takes you that long yeah. to slow and calm yourself down.
0: Mm, yeah, I've, I've noticed that with myself that there seems to be some point after a while where things shift and and the distractions still come. But it reminds me of, you know, whether maybe you've been going on a roller coaster and at the end it kind of you have to slow down a bit or even running or um, or like going on vacation after a busy season in your life. It usually takes a day or two to just kind of get out of that busy rhythm and into that more relaxed pace. And I think that's true, true internally as well. And so it seems really valuable to have that. And, and I I guess I think too that, and I, I'm saying this because I know it to be true for me as well. Um, when I have resistance to wanting to, you know, I've got the time, I can make the time, but I have resistance to wanting to do it longer. It's because I'm almost fearful of those thoughts that will come in, in the silence, in the stillness, you know, those distractions. But again, that's that's the very practice of Noticing them, naming them, and returning to the silence, um, and so there seems to be a special grace there that it, particularly in those first few minutes is really active
1: right, so yeah, I, I don't think people should get hung up on the time when they first start just because the most important thing is just to do it, as Thomas Keating says is just do it, and then the practice will do you. I might be getting the quote slightly wrong, but he kind of says the most important thing to do is just to do it, and then it will do you so don't give up and don't get hung up initially on the time frames, quite frankly. And then allow yourself to flex your sits with the ebbs and flow of your life, depending upon you know, what life brings you. You might need to shift when you do it, or you might shift to three sits a day, depending upon you know the ebbs and flows of life.
0: Yeah. Well, and even as you had mentioned, doing it with breakfast, lunch, and dinner is something that most of us experience every day. And so to couple it with something that's already happening, a habit that we already have. And even for many, uh, a habit to pray before meals. That seems like a natural way to just, well, practically speaking, they call it habit stacking, but a way to show up. You're already there.
1: When were you introduced to centering prayer?
0: I was introduced to centering prayer maybe five years ago or so. And it was through A group at the church I was attending at the time just met weekly to practice. And so, yeah, it started in a group setting and then has continued through different seasons independently as well. And so it's been really a grace to be able to, as you're saying, uh, listen to when that works for me, how much time works for me, and to learn, too, for myself that I can do that full time. You know, at first, I think you're afraid that you can't do, but, and that the, I have undoubtedly noticed more riches from those practices that, as you say, are, you know, there's no speaking. It seems like in a way that not much is happening. And yet in my everyday life, it feels like ripples, like waves.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: And so, yeah, I, I've found it to be uh, one of the most rewarding practices, especially just even, even the practice of silence, without the structure of centering prayer at times, just going within, and stilling my mind and returning to the presence of God.
1: Right. No, I, I agree. I mean, I think the most important thing is that centering prayer is one practice. There's many practices. So I, I think people need to find what makes sense for them. It has for me, and I, and I like to share it, but there's many different ways to practice resting in God and everybody needs to find the one that's best for them.
0: Hmm, That's a good way to describe it, resting in God. And so this is one flavor, one path, one option. And I think I've enjoyed the feast of resting in God as well, where I can um, say in this season, this this is what helps me rest in God. In this season, this does. And I think centering prayer as a practice has opened me up to that too, because it's helped me to learn to reach that foundation and to listen in closely. And it almost feels like I'm listening in, and God's like we're listening in together to that intersection. Exactly. One of the things I wanted to go back to is actually at the beginning of our conversation, when you were describing your practice, you had said like you'd notice by the time the afternoon rolls around that. You're depleted, I think you used a different word, but something like that, you were ready for another practice of centering prayer or a prayer sit, which kind of seems to be another name for it. Tell me a bit about when you started to notice that that need, that hunger, how this became it seems like a rhythm, a cycle that fed you
1: so I, I guess yeah, obviously initially i was and my I guess my second sit has shifted as I've been practicing it since June of twenty fourteen so initially. My second sit was probably in the evening at like eight o'clock at night after kind of the kids were settled. And then I shifted to work being very busy and I I needed, I needed God to help me. I, I needed to get through the day. Work was very busy and I decided, well, if my friend Amos seems to do a second sit at lunch, why don't I, why don't I try to take his same approach so that I knew he had done that. So I, I guess it was mostly a shift because work was very stressful and I needed, and I was tired and I wanted, I needed to rest with God and then get back to work. So it just worked. It just seemed to make sense.
0: Mm -hmm. So it sounds like it's a very restorative practice for you that after you engage it, there's a shift.
1: Right. It didn't, you just have to trust the silence. So I, I would, even though I was extremely busy at work, I would say, okay, Rich, I'm talking to myself, you know, stop, and I would just go to my car, weather permitting, most, um, I would walk to my car, roll down the window if it was warm enough, and do my center and prayer, you know, 12 or 13 minutes sit, and then go back to work. And I began discovering that I'm still getting the work done, and in some cases, it's getting done faster. So I seemed to be more productive, and probably because I was calmer. So I, I did my silent sit, I calmed down, and now I can get back to work and get done what I needed to get done. I just found it to be very helpful. So I guess I learned to trust God and trust the silence and that even though I'm not at my desk, trust the 20 minute or 13 minute break that I'm not at my desk, trust it, everything will be okay. And it was. <laughs> and then, as I said, you know, things got better and I shifted back to two cents a day, but I just needed, I needed some help. And God, I guess, was waiting for me to say, come on, Rich. You need three sets, but I'm going to wait patiently for you until you really realize it.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> well, that seems to be another value of this practice as well is that it's very much for the moment, for the day. I think sometimes when we think of prayer, we are praying for something far off in the future. And so it, it seems projected out. And yet this is a, a sustaining practice to meet you and to greet you each day and invite you to show up as well.
1: Right. I mean it's I, I considered, I guess I sit with Jesus. so I can walk with Jesus is kind of the way I think about it. That I'm sitting quietly with God in centering prayer. And then I'm walking with God during my non silent times. And we're just continuing to do that. Sit, walk, sit, walk. <laughs> and it's just it grounds you and, and sustains you.
0: <laughs> I imagine. And and to look back and see I'm sure there were, as you said, that was a busy time in work or different things going on. And yet to have that as the foundation, that sitting with God, walking with God, that those were the rhythms that rooted you, that seems so peaceful and so purposeful, even in the midst of um, times of chaos or uncertainty, that's something you can, as you said, trust, depend on.
1: Right. And I guess it grounds you. I mean, I've, I've... It was at least two or three years ago when my my father passed away. I remember my first centering prayer sit. And I remember I sat, I cried, and I returned to the sake of my interior image. And I cried. And I don't know how many times I did it. And then finally, there was no more crying. And then I was at rest and at peace sitting with God. And it's probably one of the most powerful centering prayer sessions, probably one of the hardest ones I did. But. I still remember to this day the next morning and doing my centering prayer sit. And I cried and returned to God and cried and returned to God over and over again. And then there was just no more crying and rest in God. It was beautiful.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like for you and for any of us, the silence can meet us where we are and bring up whatever needs to really rise to the surface in God's presence.
1: Right. Right. So we get silence. Right? As we said earlier, it kind of teaches me who I am, but it teaches me what do I need to do yeah. that today, not tomorrow, not two years from now or t- 20 years from now. What do I need right now? Hmm. So silence teaches me who I am and what I need to do today. What does God want me to do today?
0: Yeah. Let's try maybe a minute of silence as we, come to a close in this part of our conversation, just to honor what has been said, but also invite listeners to to test it out. Sure. questions are ones I love to ask everyone. And so if you're ready, sure. I will ask you if you were going on pilgrimage, where would you want to go next?
1: Sure. You know, as I thought about that, I, I've done, you know, sh- weekend retreats, but for me, a pilgrimage would, would be an inner pilgrimage, if you say the word. Um, what I'd like to do, is kind of longer term, silent retreat. I've done weekend retreats, but I've never done a seven or a 10 day silent retreat. So that's something I I'd like to do. I think I'd like to take an inner, you know, pilgrimage, struggling with that word. That's funny. So I think that's what that's what I'd like to do is is a seven, work it out with my wife, make sure she's comfortable with it, but do a seven to 10 day, you know, silent retreat somewhere. I think that would uh, be wonderful for me, quite frankly.
0: Oh, I love that. Yeah, that, that seems like a fitting pilgrimage for, for you, for sure. And a great invitation for us all to begin to see that journey to silence, whether it's a minute like we've just done, 20 minutes, twice a day, or a longer retreat, as you're mentioning, as, as a pilgrimage. Right. As a journey to the heart of God.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: So what journey are you on right now in your daily life?
1: I guess my journey is... I'm on a, I guess my, I'm a sil- I'll call myself a silent Prayer Minister. I want to share Centering Prayer in the community with those that are interested and want to learn more. I don't want to force it on anybody. I simply want to introduce it to people that are interested. So that's where I, I will teach it at churches. I've taught it at uh, university settings with college students. So I want to get out into the community and teach Centering Prayer in whatever settings make sense
0: yeah go and make disciples so to speak
1: and i'm actually going to be at an episcopal church which is wonderful they i sometimes do my own marketing and send out emails to churches in the area and see if they're interested but i had an episcopal church near me come to me found my facebook page and said we'd like to schedule you they scheduled me like the, almost a year in advance so <laughs> so i'm i'm actually so the year's come up so in march I'm, i'll be at an episcopal church right after church they have a session that they want me to talk about centering prayer so that'll be in March. And then I guess one-on-one coaching. I'm happy to help people that way too. So that's kind of my journey is to get out in the community, whether it's one-on-one or in group settings and teach people centering prayer for those that are interested and want to learn more.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. And it, and it from the very beginning of our conversation to where you are now, as you said, never thinking this would lead to a website, this would lead to a book speaking, teaching. Um, I think God's got you on a particular path.
1: He definitely has. I mean, I'm, I'm an introvert. And <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely an introvert, but yet now I'm out in public talking and very, co- very comfortable with it. So that's the, uh, as I said, that's one of the fruits is the confidence. God has given me the confidence to do this.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, what are um, some practices or practical tools to Guide us on this path of contemplation and the practice of centering prayer for those who want to begin to enter the silence.
1: Sure. And some of them, and we've said a lot of them, but you know, start small, take baby steps. You know, silence can be very difficult than it was for me when I first started it. So if you have to start with one minute bursts and gradually increase the time, schedule your sits, maybe perhaps make the first sit the first thing you do before you start your day. So just set your alarm. 10 minutes earlier, whatever the time frame is, set your alarm earlier and make it the first thing you do that day. And then I think it's, I think it's very important to have a second sit. It just refills that reservoir. And I know it's, a lot of people will say it's very hard to find time for second sit, but I'll argue that you you have five minutes, you have 10 minutes somewhere where you can take a second sit and see how powerful that second sit would be. So I would say, please try to get a second sit in, even if it's five minutes.
0: Well, I think the saying about meditation goes like if you don't have five minutes to meditate, then meditate for an hour, or something <laughs> that you need.
1: That's right. <laughs> when you don't have the
0: time, you even need it even more.
1: Right, and then obviously there's a lot of books for, that you can read um, to learn about centering prayer. Thomas Keating, Cynthia Bourgeau, David Frenette. Um There's a number of books of practitioners that have been doing it for much longer than me, where I've, I've read. You can learn a lot and find a community. They can support you. There's you can go to the contemplative outreach website and there's groups in each state and you might be able to find a group that's practicing and they practice weekly if you're worried about s- sustaining your practice they'll maybe they'll hold you honest so it's nice to do it in community too if you want to have people hold you accountable
0: yeah and I know you you said you've got an ebook as well available on your website
1: yes so if you go to silenceteaches.com dot com and subscribe you'll get my ebook that talks a lot about what is centering prayer. And uh, it's worded in a way where I have a question at the top of each page and it answers the question on that page. So, And it's a, it's a quick 10 or 11 page read, but it talks about centering prayer and answers a number of questions about centering prayer practice and then next steps for people that are practicing centering prayer. So yes.
0: A great place to begin for sure. Sure. Well, thank you so much for letting us join you on this Centering Prayer journey that seems to have inspired you so much and influenced your faith, influenced your, your path. Would you close us with a benediction Sure. in honor of our time?
1: Sure. What I'd like to read is actually I do a weekly meditation, and I think the one from this Monday fits perfectly. I'll read it. It's not too long. It's sort of an easy poem that I wrote. The name Silence, the Canvas of God. I sit in silence. I sit in silence to start my day. I sit in silence to forget me and open to God. I sit in silence to be filled with God's love. I sit in silence to be healed by God. I sit in silence to receive divine wisdom. I sit in silence to learn how to love. I sit in silence to let God pray in me. I sit in silence to be loved by God. I sit in silence to be transformed by God. I sit in silence to let God refresh me. I sit in silence because it teaches me how to live. I sit in silence because I love God. I sit in silence.
0: Thanks for joining with us today. Find episode notes and sign up to receive updates at asacredjourney.net slash podcast and subscribe to Pilgrim Podcast through Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a thing. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be grateful if you'd leave a review on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. When you leave a review, it helps other seekers just like you find Pilgrim Podcast. To find out how to leave a review, visit asacredjourney.net slash podcast. I'll be back again next month with another conversation on spirituality and intention in travels and daily life, and what it means to live like a pilgrim at home and abroad. Until then, blessings on the journey.